Evidential Cooperation in Large Worlds, Potential Objections and FAQ, by Kai and Will Aldred. Heading. What is this post? This post is a companion piece to recent posts on Evidential Cooperation in Large Worlds, ECL. We've noticed that in conversations about ECL, the same few initial confusions and objections tend to be brought up. We hope that this post will be useful as the place that lists and discusses these common objections. We invite the reader to advance additional questions and objections of their own. This FAQ does not need to be read in order. The reader is encouraged to look through the section headings and jump to those they find most interesting. Heading. ECL seems very weird. Are you sure you haven't, like, taken a wrong turn somewhere? We don't think so. There's an image here in the text. ECL, at its core, takes two reasonable ideas that by themselves are considered quite plausible by many, albeit not completely uncontroversial, and notices that when you combine them, you get something quite interesting and novel. Specifically, ECL combines large world with non-causal decision theory. Many people believe the universe or multiverse is large, but that it might as well be small because we can only causally influence, or be influenced by, a small, finite part of it. Meanwhile, many people think you should cooperate in a near-twin prisoner's dilemma, but that this is mostly a philosophical issue because near-twin prisoner's dilemmas rarely, if ever, happen in real life. Putting the two ideas together. Once you consider the non-causal effects of your actions, then the world being large is potentially a very big deal. Heading. Do I need to buy evidential decision theory for this to work? There are some different ways of thinking that take into account a causal influence and explain it in different ways. These include evidential decision theory and functional decision theory, as mentioned in our ECL Explainer post. Updatelessness and superrationality are two other concepts that might get you all or part of the way to this kind of a causal cooperation. Here's a list of bullet points. Evidential decision theory says that what matters is whether your choice gives you evidence about what the other agent will do. For example, if you are interacting with a near copy, then the similarity between the two of you is evidence that the two of you make the same choice. Functional decision theory says that what matters is whether there is a logical connection between you and the other agent's choices. For example, if you are interacting with a copy, then the similarity between the two of you is reason to believe there is a strong logical connection. That said, functional decision theory does not have a clear formalization, so it is not clear if and how this logical connection generalizes to dealing with merely near copies, as opposed to full copies. Our best guess is that proponents of functional decision theory at least want the theory to recommend cooperating in the near-twin prisoner's dilemma. Updatelessness strengthens the case for cooperation. This is because updatelessness arguably increases the game-theoretic symmetry of many kinds of interactions, which is helpful to get agents employing some types of decision procedures, including evidential decision theory, to cooperate. Superrationality says that two rational thinkers considering the same problem will arrive at the same correct answer. So, what matters is common rationality. In game theory situations like the prisoner's dilemma, knowing that the two answers, or choices, will be the same might change the answer itself, for example, cooperate cooperate rather than defect defect. ECL was in fact originally named multiverse-wide superrationality. That's the end of the list. We don't take a stance in our ECL explainer piece on which of these decision theories, concepts, or others we do not list, is better overall. 
what matters is that they all, arguably, say that there is reason to cooperate in the near-twin prisoner's dilemma and generalize from there to similar cases. Arguably, you might even be able to recover some behavior similar to ECL from causal decision theory, at least for ECL with different Everett branches, see Easterheld, 2017, section 6.8. Heading. Okay, I see the intuitive appeal of cooperating in the near-twin prisoner's dilemma, but I am still skeptical of non-causal decision theories. Is there any theoretical reason to take non-causal decision theories seriously? In short, causal decision theory, CDT, falls short in some thought experiments. This seems like reason enough to at least take non-causal decision theories seriously. See for example here for short arguments against CDT that aren't based on thought experiments. It is worth mentioning, however, that in the academic literature, causal decision theory has a lot of support, and some academics actually take one boxing in Newcomb's problem as a decisive point against evidential decision theory. Details. One objection people could have is that we should not trust our intuitions in the near-twin prisoner's dilemma where causal decision theory arguably falls short. Because this thought experiment is highly contrived and unrealistic, our intuitions might be poorly trained for judging it. In contrast, we have a lot of experience with causation that tells us that whether something causes another thing is extremely relevant for decision-making. In fact, causation seems fundamental to the world. It seems like there is a matter of fact about what causes which other thing, and it seems silly to ignore that when making decisions. While the debate between causal and non-causal decision theories is not settled, there are many arguments that point against causal decision theory and towards alternatives. We will sketch some prominent arguments against causal decision theory, but mostly advise readers to consult the sources below. Overall, we think the considerations at play do not justify high confidence in causal decision theory. There are of course many arguments in favor of causal decision theory and against any non-causal decision theory, which we don't focus on here and which we advise readers to seek out if they want to engage with decision theory in detail. Note. The remainder of this section was kindly written by Sylvester Collin. Subheading. Why ain't CHA rich? In Newcomb's problem, the act of two boxing has lower average return than one boxing, even from the causalist's perspective. And therefore, it seems like the causalist is committed to a foreseeably worse option, which is arguably irrational. See Lewis, 1981, for the canonical reference. Ahmed and Price, 2012, section 1, and Ahmed, 2014, section 7.3.1, for a detailed characterization of the argument. And Joyce, 1999, section 5.1, Bales, 2016, Wells, 2017, and Easterheld. 2022, for counterarguments. Subheading. CDT is exploitable. Causal decision theory, CDT, relies on some notion of a causal probability when making decisions. However, looking ahead, they think about their own future choices as they would about any other proposition, and this yields an inconsistency in diachronic or sequential cases. Easterheld and Konitzer, 2021, uses this fact to set up a diachronic Dutch book against CDT. C. Spencer, 2021, Ahmed, M.S., and this post by Abram Dembski for additional perspectives and formulations of what is essentially the same argument. Joyce, M.S., for a discussion of how convincing the Dutch book argument is. And Rothfuss, 2021, for a formulation of plan-based CDT, which avoids some of these problems. Also note that an updateless, cohesive, Meacham, 2010, or Resolute, McLennan, 1990, 
1997, version of CDT is not exploitable in this way. Subheading. CDT offers counterintuitive advice. While opinions are split regarding what is rational in Newcomb's problem, there are some other decision problems in which CDT clearly recommends the incorrect option. Consider the following decision problem from Ahmed, 2014, page 120. Quote. Betting on the past. In my pocket, says Bob, I have a slip of paper on which is written a proposition P. You must choose between two bets. Bet 1 is a bet on P at 10,1 for a stake of $1. Bet 2 is a bet on P at 110 for a stake of $10. So your payoffs are as in the table below. Before you choose whether to take bet 1 or bet 2 I should tell you what P is. It is the proposition that the past state of the world was such as to cause you now to take bet 2. End quote. There's a table here in the text. Ahmed argues that any causal decision theory worthy of the name would recommend taking bet 1, simply because taking bet 1 causally dominates taking bet 2. But it is clearly irrational to take bet 1. It seems obvious that if an agent decides to take bet 2, then they should be very confident that P is true, and if they take bet 1, then they should be very confident that P is false. See Williamson and Sangren, 2021, forthcoming, for emendations of the standard theory to deal with this case, and Joyce, 2016, for a critical discussion of whether this is a genuine decision problem. Next, consider the following problem from Egan, 2007. Quote. The psychopath button. Paul is debating whether to press the, kill all psychopaths, button. It would, he thinks, be much better to live in a world with no psychopaths. Unfortunately, Paul is quite confident that only a psychopath would press such a button. Paul very strongly prefers living in a world with psychopaths to dying. Should Paul press the button? End quote. CDT arguably recommends pressing the button, since this will have no causal effect on whether they are a psychopath or not. But they will instantly regret this. Upon pressing the button, they are now confident that they're a psychopath. Indeed, it seems irrational to press the button. But note that it is much more contested what CDT actually recommends here than in the previous problem. See for example Arsenius, 2008, and Joyce, 2012. Also see Williamson, 2019, for a defense of CDT's recommendation. Subheading. EDT, Medical Newcomb Problems and the Tickle Defense. One might grant that the recommendations of CDT might be counterintuitive at times, but that non-causal decision theories like evidential decision theory, EDT, also face its fair share of problems. Chief among these worries, at least traditionally, has been so-called medical Newcomb's problems. Consider the following problem from Egan, 2007. Quote. The smoking lesion. Susan is debating whether or not to smoke. She believes that smoking is strongly correlated with lung cancer, but only because there is a common cause, a condition that tends to cause both smoking and cancer. Once we fix the presence or absence of this condition, there is no additional correlation between smoking and cancer. Susan prefers smoking without cancer to not smoking without cancer, and she prefers smoking with cancer to not smoking with cancer. Should Susan smoke? End quote. Most people agree that Susan should smoke, and this is indeed what CDT recommends. However, prima facie, it seems like EDT would recommend not smoking since that strongly correlates with having cancer, and having cancer and smoking is dispreferred to not having cancer and not smoking. 
This has been forcefully rebutted by for example Eels, 1982, Section 6-8, and Ahmed, 2014, Section 4. In short, the choice to smoke is plausibly preceded by a desire, a tickle, to do so, and at that point, smoking does not provide additional evidence of cancer. This is known as the tickle defense. See Easterheld, 2022, for a review and summary of these arguments. Ahmed, 2014, page 88, writes, in relation to his discussion of the tickle defense, the most important point to take forward from this discussion is the distinction between statistical correlations, relative frequencies, and subjective evidential relations in the form of conditional credences. It is the latter, not the former, that drive evidential decision theory. Heading. Okay, so maybe I am not 100% confident in causal decision theory but I am also not fully convinced by non-causal decision theory. What now? Even if one isn't convinced by the arguments against CDT, or the arguments for EDT, one should plausibly have some decision-theoretic uncertainty, that is, not be completely certain in CDT. McCaskill et al., 2021, then makes the following argument, 1, we should deal with normative uncertainty by maximizing expected choiceworthiness, 2, the stakes are much higher on EDT due to the existence of correlated decision-makers. And so, 3, even with a small credence in EDT, one should in practice follow the recommendations of EDT. McCaskill et al. call this the evidentialist's wager. See the paper for more details. This argument could be extended to other decision theories with particularly high stakes. For commentary on this argument taken to its extreme, see the next section. Heading. Is this a Pascal's mugging? In short, we don't think so. As we explain in the above subsection, neither of ECL's two core ingredients, the world is large, and non-causal effects can be action-guiding, seem all that unlikely to be true. In more words, there are a couple of cases in which one might think that ECL is a Pascal's mugging. One, one has very high credence in causal decision theory, and only takes ECL seriously because of the evidentialist's wager. That is, one believes that one can only influence one's causal environment, but one acts as though one has a causal influence because there's a chance that a causal influence is real, and in those worlds, one has much more total influence. We think Pascal's mugging type objections to lines of reasoning in this reference class are valid, and we share a discomfort with wagering on philosophical worldviews that we think are absurd. However, we do not think very high credence in causal decision theory is justified, which is required for this particular objection to get off the ground. 2. One thinks one's a causal influence on other agents is small. However, even if one's a causal influence over individual agents is small, it would still be true that one's total a causal influence is very large, without relying on wages. A first reading of what it means to have a small a causal influence over an agent is we definitely influence the agent's action, but only by a small amount. Under this reading, influences still add up to a large effect over many agents. A second reading is, we have a small probability of a causally influencing a given agent. So, if they only have two choices, like in the prisoner's dilemma, then we only have a small chance of changing their decision. Under this reading, as long as our a-causal influences over different agents are somewhat independent, then, given a very large number of agents, we should still have very high confidence that we are influencing a large number of agents. Easterheld, 2017a, page 20, fn 14, explains this second reading as follows. Imagine drawing balls out of a box containing 1 million balls. 
you are told that the probability of drawing a blue ball is only 1 in 1, 0, 0, 0, and that the probabilities of different draws are independent. Given this information, you can tell with a high degree of certainty that there are quite a few blue balls in the box. We think belief in small a causal influence only leads to a Pascal's mugging if you believe you have a low probability of influencing all agents and a high probability of influencing none of them, that is, your a-causal influences are fully correlated. Apart from your a-causal influence on exact copies, perhaps. But since they share your values, your influence on them doesn't have any action relevance anyway. However, we don't think that's a likely view unless the belief is a consequence of being very confident in causal decision theory which we've argued against in the previous section. Heading. Should we be clueless about our a-causal effects? Complex cluelessness is a complicated topic that we aren't experts on, so you should take what we say with a grain of salt. Nonetheless, here is our current view on the issue. In short, we think that cluelessness is a valid concern in general, but that it isn't of much greater concern to ECL than it is to other cause areas and interventions. Details. The cluelessness objection to ECL might look something like, okay, so if the world is large, then there will be lots of things going on in the world that we aren't aware of, and some of these things will be very weird to us. Perhaps we have a causal influence over some of these weird things that we don't understand, and this a causal influence has chaotic effects that could be any magnitude of good or bad. Then, it's a mistake to not take this into account, because this could sign-flip the value of ECL. While this is a valid concern, it remains regardless of whether you purposefully participate in ECL or choose to ignore ECL. If you believe the world is large and that a causal influence is, or might be, real, our actions have these unpredictable effects either way, whether we are purposefully focusing on them or only focusing on our predictable, causal effects, for example by working on improving farm animal welfare. There is another version of the cluelessness objection to ECL that goes like this, if the world is large and I have these a-causal effects, then I am clueless. In the world where I am clueless, I am paralyzed and don't know what to do. If the world is not large or I do not have any a-causal effects, I am not clueless. I might as well wager on the scenario where I am not clueless and pretend the world is small and void of a-causal effects. This objection does indeed seem specific to ECL and to not necessarily apply to, say, alignment work. The objection comes down to a wager on not having a causal effects. We are personally not very comfortable with this wager, and suspect that following the principle to always assume a world where one is not clueless would result in having to make many more, uncomfortable wagers. Heading. Does infinite ethics mess with ECL? Infinite ethics seems even more complicated and confusing than a-causal effects and complex cluelessness, and we haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it. We will explain our current view on the issue but you should take it with a grain of salt. Our immediate response here is to say that impossibility results, see Carl Smith, 2022, SEC. V. Askell, 2018, SEC. 5.1, around how to make choices in an infinite world are everyone's problem and not just for people who consider ECL. Carl Smith, 2022, SEC. 15, although for example Sandberg and Mannheim, 2021, argue otherwise. On the other hand, largeness, perhaps infinite largeness, is one of ECL's core ingredients. Therefore, it makes sense to inspect how ECL interacts with infinite ethics issues at least a little more closely. Example. If I gain $1, then, in an infinite universe with infinite copies of me, my value system gains infinite dollars, 
according to standard cardinal arithmetic. But if I were to gain $2 instead, then, in the same infinite universe with infinite copies, standard cardinal arithmetic says this is no better than before, my value system still gains infinite dollars. This is a bizarre conclusion, and it's problematic for ECL because it leads to different actions, for example, defect to gain $1 versus cooperate to gain $10, being evaluated as equally good. No account of infinite ethics is fully satisfactory, but some of the clusters of accounts, arguably the leading ones, rectify the conclusion here and say I'm better off in the second situation. The first of these clusters of accounts is based on expansionism a measure theory. The second is about discounting in a semi-principled way, for example, Udassa, and the third is Bostrom, 2011, SEC. 2.4-2.6, S. Hyperreal, Approach. Overall, we agree with those who point out that infinite ethics messes with everything, but we do not think that infinite ethics especially messes with ECL. Caspar Easterheld, 2017, also briefly mentions ECL and infinite ethics in section 6.10. Heading. Is ECL the same thing as a causal trade? Typically, no. A causal trade usually refers to a different mechanism, I do this thing for you if you do this other thing for me. Discussions of a causal trade often involve the agents attempting to simulate each other. In contrast, ECL flows through direct correlation, if I do this, I learn that you are more likely to also do this. For more, see Cristiano, 2022, S. Discussion of Correlation versus Reciprocity and Easterheld, 2017, Section 6.1. Heading. Is ECL basically a multiverse-wide moral trade? If you define an agent's morality as what that agent values, then, yes, kind of. The major caveat is that we can only do things for our ECL cooperation partners in our own light cone. If they value having ice cream themselves, we can't help with that. The ECL mechanism, direct correlation, might also further constrain the space of possible trades. In addition, we might not naturally describe many of the things other agents value, and that we want to cooperate with them on. As moral values. For example, if there are agents out there who meet the conditions for trade and who really value there being lots of green triangles in our light cone, because they think that's funny, then ECL compels us to trade with them by making green triangles one would be stretching things to call this cooperation a moral trade. Note. We are not moral philosophers by training, and it's possible that some moral philosophers have a different definition of moral trade in mind. The EA Forum Wiki's definition, which is the one we work with, reads, moral trade is the process where individuals or groups with different moral views agree to take actions or exchange resources in order to bring about outcomes which are better from the perspective of everyone involved, link, dot. Heading. Okay, I'll grant that your toy setups work. But in the real world, we don't have two neat actions with one labeled cooperate. We have lots of different available actions and compromise points. How is that supposed to work? At a high level, we'll note that it is common practice in science and philosophy to draw conclusions about the real world from toy setups. There are people who object to this practice, for instance, those who claim that game theory tells us nothing about the real world. But our overall stance on the issue is, all models are wrong, some are useful. Our best guess is that the toy models we introduced in our ECL explainer are at least a little bit useful, and we expect more sophisticated models of a-causal interactions to be more useful. Nonetheless, the object-level question is still a good one. 
Uncertainty over what actions count as cooperations, and which cooperation points to pick, is a real challenge to ECL. For instance, different agents' understanding of the default, forward slash, do nothing, action might be quite different. There is some work that tries to understand how agents might approach finding a cooperation point. See this paper by Johannes Treutlein and this post by Lucas Finveden. On the other hand, we know of unpublished work that argues that the issue of different agents having different options from each other is severe enough to render ECL irrelevant. We believe these issues only dampen the expected value of acting on ECL by introducing uncertainty or constraining the set of agents we can cooperate with, instead of posing a fundamental problem to the framework. Do they dampen the expected value enough to make ECL irrelevant? Our current best guess is no. The most important reason for our view is that we are optimistic about the following. The following action is quite natural and hence salient to many different agents. Commit to henceforth doing your best to benefit the aggregate values of the agents you do ECL with. Commitment of this type is possible. All agents are in a reasonably similar situation to each other when it comes to deciding whether to make this abstract commitment. If this is true, then it does not matter that our concrete available actions are extremely different from each other. We can still cooperate by a causally influencing other agents to make this commitment by making this commitment ourselves. Heading. You keep talking about agents for us to do ECL with. Who exactly are these agents? The short answer is some subset of the naturally evolved civilizations and artificial superintelligences that exist throughout the multiverse. Which subset exactly, though, is complicated and not entirely clear. Fortunately, even if we can only do ECL with a narrow set of agents, it might still be the case that their values are roughly representative of a larger set of agents that it's easier to draw inferences about. For example, their values might be representative of all civilizations that arose out of evolutionary processes, plus their digital descendants. In the simplest model of how ECL might work, all agents who do ECL cooperate with all other agents who do ECL. If this is the case in reality, then one just needs to figure out what kinds of agents tend to do ECL in order to cooperate with these agents, and thus participate in the ECL trading commons. However, it seems plausible that not everyone who does ECL has a causal influence over everyone else who does ECL. For example, maybe there are several different clusters of decision-making processes. Agents might have a causal influence over other agents within their own cluster, but not over agents from other clusters. Maybe some agents' epistemic standpoints are too different. For example, if distant superintelligences already know everything about us and our actions, then perhaps from their perspective our actions are already fixed, and so there is nothing left for them to, a causally, influence. See Finveden, 2023, for more detail on when and why knowledge like this might destroy a causal influence. Updatelessness, Easter Held, 2016. Soto, 2024, might help with this issue. We expect that anyone who wants to work on ECL will likely have to grapple somewhat with updatelessness or, alternatively, when to stop learning more about other civilizations. Consequently, agents who do ECL might only be able to cooperate with a subset of the other agents who do ECL. If this is the case, then one needs to figure out what kinds of agents tend to do ECL and are similar enough to oneself in terms of decision-making and information. As a final complication, not everyone we have a causal influence over necessarily has a causal influence over us. 
If Alice A causally influences Bob, and Bob A causally influences Charlie, and Charlie A causally influences Alice, should Alice try to benefit Bob's values or Charlie's values? Working from one of the toy models in our ECL explainer, we currently believe she should try to benefit Charlie's values. Finveden, 2023, makes a related argument. In practice, we recommend punting figuring out these details to the future. Humans now should focus on actions that are cooperative with a broad set of agents, that is, actions that likely benefit the agents we can do ECL with without taking too much away from realizing our own values. At least, this is our best guess as to the present implications of ECL, given our present level of uncertainty. Examples of cooperative actions. Making AGIs be cooperative, whether they be aligned or misaligned, and insofar as we build AGI at all. Taking a more pluralistic stance towards morality than we otherwise would. Heading. Is ECL action relevant? Time sensitive? We believe ECL is action relevant. We refer readers to Lucas Finveden's recent Implications of Evidential Cooperation in Large Worlds. We currently think the most important implication is that we should wait making, aligned or unaligned, AI systems cooperative and preserving our decision theoretical attitudes into the future more heavily. The most straightforward way to do so would be to ensure Earth-originating AI systems engage in ECL. Note that having our AI systems engage in ECL this is not simply punting ECL into the future. In our opinion, working on increasing the chance that future AI systems engage in ECL is itself a cooperative action. Doing so puts us in the reference class of civilizations that, genuinely, try to act cooperatively in the ECL sense. This increases our expectation that other civilizations benefit us similarly, for example, by also increasing the chance that their AGI acts cooperatively towards our value system. The argument for time sensitivity is that we might be able to increase the chance of future AI systems doing ECL in worlds, where we cannot do so later, either because we build a misaligned AGI, or because the humans who end up in charge of an intent-aligned AGI do not want their AGI to consider ECL or because we manage to align an AI system's values with ours, but without guarding against grave epistemic errors from the distributional shift to thinking about ECL. This is most plausible on worldviews where views on decision theory, a causal influence, etc., are not convergent, that is it is not the case that future civilizations will arrive at the same conclusions about ECL regardless of what we do. We might also have to lock in some commitments early to reap the full benefits from ECL, for example commit to doing ECL earlier rather than later because our a-causal influence might decrease over time. The argument here is similar to the argument for updatelessness. That said, there are also potential downsides to working on making AI engage in ECL. In particular, it might trade off with the probability of alignment success. It's also contested for other reasons. Discussing the case for and against trying to increase the likelihood of future AI systems engaging in ECL is beyond the scope of this post. Heading. How big a deal are the implications of ECL? How much does it change the impact of my actions? This certainly deserves more investigation and its own detailed report. Unfortunately, we do not have anything like that yet. But here are a couple of things to note. Here's a list of bullet points. Lucas Finveden, 2023 estimates that ECL increases the case for working on AI systems that benefit other value systems by 1.5x, 10x. Note that this estimate does not include an estimate of the total value of this kind of work. Additionally, there is no comparison here to alignment work. 
Paul Cristiano says, paraphrased from two emails. All direct quotes but rearranged and in bullet point form for readability. I think that ECL or similar arguments may give us strong reasons to be generous to some other agents and value systems, especially other agents who do ECL, or something like that. I think this lines up with some more commonsensical criterion, like, it's better to be nice to people who would have been nice to you if your situations had been reversed. I think that these may be large considerations. If I had to guess, I think that figuring out what ECL recommends, and then building an appropriate kind of AI might be 20% as good as building an aligned AI in expectation, with a reasonable chance of being close to 0% or 100%, but 20% as a wild guess of an average. Later addendum by Paul. 20% seems too low. There are other ways the ECL stuff can add value on top of alignment. It's unclear if it's tractable without just being able to align our AI, and this would be harder to get buy-in from the broader world. But we haven't studied it much and there are some obvious approaches that might work, so maybe I'd wildly guess that it's 20% as tractable as alignment. Later addendum by Paul. 20% seems too low. So, if I had to make up a number right now, I'd guess that, figuring out what ECL recommends, how seriously we take that recommendation, and whether it's tractable to work on, is 5-10% to of the value of alignment. By, tractable to work on, I meant actually getting it implemented. T-O clarify what the ratio, 5-10%, means. I was imagining that an angel comes down and tells us all the ECL-relevant answers and comparing that to how good it would be if an angel comes down and tells us all the alignment-relevant answers. Kasper Easterheld, author of ECL's seminal paper, estimates that him acting on ECL is roughly as valuable for his values as him not acting on ECL and multiplying his resources, and, by necessary extension, the resources of agents with his values that he has strong a-causal influence over, by 1.5 to 5 times. From Conversation in other words, Casper thinks you should be indifferent between a universe in which your reference class, that is agents that find themselves in a similar decision situation as you, but don't necessarily share your values, acts on ECL, and a universe in which your reference class doesn't act on ECL, but agents in your reference class that share your values get their resources 1.5 E5X ed. That's the end of the list. Heading. Acknowledgements. We are grateful to Casper Easterheld, Sylvester Collin, Daniel Cocotilo, Akash Wazel, Anthony D. Giovanni, Emery Cooper, and Tristan Cook for helpful feedback on an earlier version of this post. A special thank you goes to whoever created the great meme we use at the top. This article was narrated by Type 3 Audio for the Effective Altruism Forum. It was first published on February 28, 2024. The original text contained 21 footnotes which were omitted from the narration. To report an issue or give feedback on this narration, go to t3a.is.